You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Book of Ephesians on I Love the Church. I love the church. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. And we should, we should do nothing less. If we are Christians, which means to be Christ-like, we also should love the church. We also should give ourselves for the church. Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the local church, and so do I. And I just want to real quickly make just a little bit of a distinction. Not everything that's called a church is necessarily a church. Uh, what is the church? The word church in the New Testament is the word ekklesia, the Greek word ekklesia. It was a word that was a common word used in that day if, if there was going to be a a, a hearing or a community uh, event to where they would call people out to a certain location in order to perhaps discuss or introduce, uh, you know, information or whatever the case may be. So it was an ecclesia. People would come out from their homes and they would come together into one place for one particular purpose. And that's exactly what the church is. And so that is the word that was used every day to be applied to what the local church is. So uh, the ecclesia, uh, ek, uh, E-C, means to, uh, or means, uh, let's see, out from and to, and kaleo means to call. So it's a group of people called out from one place to another. It's an assembly. It's also translated assembly, congregation. The ecclesia in the New Testament is a group of people who have been called out of the world unto God. It is the church. In Ephesians chapter 2, so please have your Bibles in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at a few verses in the book of Ephesians. But in Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 19, the Bible says, Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Christ, one of the main things about a church is that Christ is the cornerstone. If it's a church, one thing that makes you understand that it's a church is that Christ is the cornerstone. It's built upon Him. It's not a church that was started by a man. It's not a church that was started by a woman. But it's a church that is founded on Jesus Christ and Christ alone, let me say. And I say Christ alone. Now, he says uh, along with the apostles and prophets. Uh, but the point is, is that Christ is the cornerstone. And see, for a lot of 
churches, quote unquote, out there. They are called out assemblies, I suppose, so in that sense they're a church. But as far as the New Testament sense goes, if they are propagating and pushing, uh, you know, the Bible and the teachings of sister or brother so-and-so, not a church. That's not a church. A church is based on Jesus Christ. A church, a church is based on the Bible, the, Bi the sole authority of Scripture. Uh, if it doesn't do so, it is not a church in the biblical sense of being a church. It may, just, it may be a community gathering. It may have great benefits socially. It may be a nice social club. Uh, but if it's, not, uh, if it's not being called out by God and come together for the purpose of fulfilling the New Testament, that's the biblical meaning of it, what a New Testament church, as far as a local church, really is. So uh, the church, of course, uh, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, and that's what holds the whole foundation together. If you take out the cornerstone, everything else falls apart. Uh, the verses 21 and 22 says, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple. See, the church isn't a building made of mortar and brick. And, you know, I've got that, I've got that across very well. We, we understand that very well around here, that the church is not uh, the building. But the church is the people, but the church in the true sense, if it's a called out assembly, then it's a group of people getting together. And that doesn't mean we're not the church when we're not here. We are the church. We represent Christ. We represent and care for one another. But there's something special about assembling together in church. I love church. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, some people say, man, you know, I, 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 can, I, can get, I can commune with God in nature. Me too on Saturday. Amen. <laughs> But Sunday morning, I'm going to commune with God in church, hallelujah, with God's people. Oh, I can just get a hold of God so good out on the lake. Me too, man. That's wonderful. Uh, but when it comes church time, amen, let me get to the house of God, amen. Let me get around the preaching. Let me get around the people of God, uh, the church, amen. And so uh, the church is not a building, but the church, uh, and by the way, the church is still under construction, as you can see, uh, but no, the, the building is still under construction, but the church is still being built, amen? People are still coming to Christ. The stones are still being put together in this building until the Lord Jesus comes again. So we, we talk about the church in a broad sense, uh, but when we talk about the church in a local sense, you know, it's, it's interesting to me today because I believe it's over 95, it may be like 97% of the time, I would encourage you to do the study when the word church is used in the New Testament, it's actually talking to local churches, the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus, uh, the churches in particular are being addressed, and then uh, a smaller percentage of the time it's talking about the church as a whole. Uh, if you will. But it's funny today because it seems like in theological circles and evangelical circles, it's almost talked about 97% of the time as this big uh, uh, thing. And then it seems like the local aspect of the church is often minimized. But it is not minimized on the pages of Scripture. I love the church. I love the local church. Amen. Uh, so the, the local church is locally organized community of believers in which God has ordained that his people function together for a greater purpose. Uh, so uh, the church. Uh, now, and, and I understand something else today. I understand that there are people that make a lot of their quote-unquote church. There's people that worship their churches. Again, that's not scriptural. And, and if 
People don't worship their biblical churches, amen, because we worship Christ. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to talk about how I came to Christ through the ministry of a local church because what Jesus is doing today, he's doing through the ministry of local churches. Um, and so uh, we're not putting the, the, the church over Christ. What we're doing is we're talking about how Christ works through churches. I love the church, but it's become cool. It's become like a, the thing to do to kind of knock churches, to try to put churches down and try to minimize church. And I'll be honest with you, I can even think uh, of times with myself of people in this church that have come to this church and been so excited about this church and I've, I've almost feel like I've uh, not really intentional, almost put a little bit wet blanket, say, well, don't make too much of the church, make much of Christ. And that's true, make much of Christ, but you know what? We can do that while still saying, man, Christ is working in our church, amen? Christ is working in the people in our church. And so, uh, but man, I'm telling you, uh, the, the church is a blessing. When Jesus walked this earth, he only started one organization. And truthfully, he did not start an organization. He, he, he started and birthed an organism. Uh, it's not an organization, but an organism. But this is an organism, an organization, if I can just use that term, that he put in place to change the world. I love the church. The Bible says in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's the church, amen. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Jesus has set the church up as the only institution that will not fail. The church will not fail. Now, if we get back on the local sense, there's been churches perhaps that have uh, failed, uh, local churches, but the church as a whole will never fail. Jesus was committed to the church, and I believe that God's people should be committed to the church. I mean, listen, there's just nothing this world offers like the church. There's really not. I mean, listen, the church may have many critics, but I'm telling you, the church has no rivals. <laughs> no rivals. There's not another place. I mean, where else can you come? Where else can a, uh, just a, a poor, dirty-faced, uh, blackfoot kid, and I mean, just uh, white trash, I mean, uh, living in a world of drugs and alcohol, where else can somebody like that come in, hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved by the grace of God, be loved by the people in that church, not having anything to offer whatsoever, and, and God take and raise him up, him is now me, I'm talking about myself in third person, I guess, but, uh, but then God raises me up to be a preacher, amen, and a leader of a local church. Where else does that happen? I didn't have the money. I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, and I'm still not. But I'm telling you one thing. It's the grace. There's nothing else like the church. Amen? I mean, listen, the church, there's nothing else like it in this world. Nothing rivals the church today. Now, the church, you know what the Lord said about the church? He, when Jesus was on the earth, he said, I am the light of the world. But, but toward the end of his ministry, he said, ye are the light of the world. 
Ye are the light of the world. Jesus says, I'm going to shine through you, but you are now going to be the light. See, the church is God's instrument to repel darkness in the world. By the way, let me tell you something. There's a reason that there's such an assault and an attack on churches, and there has been for years. You know why? The spirit of that goes back to Psalm 2, where the Bible says how that... How that uh, those heathen, the Bible says, how the heathen raged and the people imagine a vain thing. And one of the main things they want to do is they want to cut the bands and the cords of the righteous from them. See, America was founded on the principles that there were people in this country that could govern themselves because they believed the Bible was the Word of God. They believed and trusted Christ as their Savior. So they knew there was a group of people that their... their standards would help dictate and help maintain liberty and so forth. But those who now want to be more of the lawless variety, they don't want those restraints anymore. And so the church is God's instrument to repel darkness in the world. I love the church. And you know what? I'm not going to apologize for it. I love the church. There's no apologies, no qualifiers. And I just want to give you some reasons real quick this morning why I love the church. I've said one of them already. Why I love the church and why you should love the church and you do love the church is that Jesus loves the church. Amen? I mean, the Bible says that we should love what he loves and hates what he hates. Uh, again, Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I love Jesus today. And when I grow with Him, and when I learn to love Him, I learn to love what He loves. And let me tell you something today. Jesus loves the church. Amen. Jesus loves Elk Point Baptist Church. He really does. He's invested in this church. He's committed to this church. Jesus loves this church. And so you know what? I, I want to be with Him. Amen. I love it too. See, even when, when people in specific churches are a mess, I mean, and, and that's just about every church, but you look, for instance, at the, the, the church at Corinth. They were, a, they, were a, they were a dumpster fire just about, the stuff they had going on at the, the church at Corinth. But you know what? Even then, when you study the Bible verses with church in them, it adds up to a glowing review. What God has to say about the church through the New Testament is positive. The church verses show us people who send missionaries. Amen? I, I, I was tempted today, our first time getting back for an in-person service, because one of the things I wanted to do the, the, the Sunday that we would have uh, met last, now what do you know what I'm trying to say, the first Sunday we didn't have church after all this started, is man, I was wanting to vote and take on a bunch of missionaries, amen? And uh, you know what? Man, I'm glad the church sends missionaries. The church sends missionaries. The church cares for travelers, sharing everything they have. The church encourages the hurting. The church cares for the poor. Uh, the church teaches God's Word. 
They support the weak. They pray for each other forever. Uh, listen, the church has wrought change forever in this world. New Testament church verses are practically a Valentine's card to God's people. You look at the verses. God loves the church. What he has his apostles say about the church is positive. They correct the error in churches, but that's because he loves it so much. I mean, it's just he sees this church that he loves. He, see, he sees people coming in uh, trying to live in immorality or teach false doctrine, and he addresses those things. Why? Because he loves the church. And therefore, he's trying to protect the church from these things. So, uh, and that's one of the cool things about the New Testament. One of the cool things about the Bible in general is that it never hides the flaws of its heroes. But even in that, the church is still loved. So one reason I love the church is that, the, that Jesus loves the church. Another reason I love the church today is that the church loves Christ. If you haven't realized this yet, Christ is the main theme of this. Amen? I mean, listen, because, see, I, I've had people say this. For instance, because, see, the, the proper order in our lives, in our relationship to God is this way. Our relationship with God comes number one. Is that right? That's right. Our relationship with God is number one. And then I believe that our relationship to our families come after that. And then I believe that our relationship to the church comes after that. Now, let me ask you a question. If I prioritize my relationship with God, does that affect the second group in line? It affects them, but does it affect them in a negative or a positive way? positive way. If I'm putting God first, does that, see, I would never say, God, I'm sorry, I cannot put you first because if I did, it would affect the relationship with my family, and so therefore, God, I want to love my family, so I, I, I devote everything to you. No, the more I give to God, the more my family is going to benefit. And that not stop as you go down the line. Now, the more I love my God, the more I love my family, the more I love my church. There's people I've known throughout the years, oh, I, you know, man, church is really cutting into family time. Come together. Amen. I mean, listen, if you love the church, if you love your family, it is not going to hurt the church. It's going to help the church. If you love your family, it's going to involve you more in the church, not less in the church. It just stands to reason. I love the church. The church loves Jesus. I've learned to be a grateful member of this church and every church that I've been a member of for that matter. And I just want to pause and say this, that... If you know anything about me, you know that one of the things that I have a tendency to be and do is I am, I'm, I'm pretty nonconformist. It's like something stamped in me. I have trouble. Uh, there's people here that work with me. I have trouble sometimes following the rules, especially if I think they're dumb. And there's certain things that I, <laughs> and I know better, but, and so uh, I got to tell you that when I first started coming to church, uh, I was reluctant on this whole church idea like some of you are or have been. Like, uh, I don't know, you're kind of making too big of a deal about the church, you know. I mean, is it really, you're trying to get me to be a part of this organization and blah, blah, blah. No, I mean, but I felt that way. And I'm just like, man, no, I'm not, not, not doing all that stuff. Uh, that that man-made business and all that. Uh, but I was saying all that because I was ignorant. <laughs> uh, and I'm not saying that if you say that you're ignorant, but you are. All right, uh, and what you may be ignorant of is what the 
Bible says. The Bible teaches us when you get into the Word of God, you begin to see that Christ loves the church, the church loves Christ, and that there's a blessing and a benefit of being a part of the church. Amen. The church loves Christ. I mean, listen, uh, when a church really loves Jesus, there's no place on earth like it. There's a reason we love coming here. There's a reason we like getting together because there's a bunch of people around here that love Jesus. Amen. And that's why they don't care what the color of your skin is. They don't care uh, how much money you got in the bank. They don't care what your last name is. They don't care about any of that. When they see you, what they see is a person whom Christ loves. Amen. That's who they see. It doesn't matter what you've done the week before. When they see you, they see somebody who Christ values. Since Christ values you, we value you. See, the church loves Jesus. Jesus loves the church. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. When a local church is in love with Jesus, it shows up in the most amazing, transformative actions. A church that really loves Jesus is one that will love each other and their community in deep and sacrificial ways. Amen. I mean, we're willing to go the extra mile. We want to make a difference. Not, not so that we can then turn around and say, I've made such a difference. Right? See, and by the way, did you know this, man? And I wish you'd listen for this. I learned something. It's a, it's a real simple principle. But the Bible says, you read 1 Corinthians 13, and that's the, the love chapter, you know, charity, charity never faileth. But it talks about giving your body to be burned and, and all these sacrifices that you made. But the Bible says without charity, it profits nothing. But then you've got to stop and ask yourself, how can, why would somebody be sacrificial like that if they don't have charity, if they don't have that agape how that sacrifice without charity you know what it is it is absolute uh, what is it uh, the word coming the word coming to mind uh, to where basically it's 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 self uh, lifting up it's self exalting oh this is driving me crazy I've gotten stuck on this word who's the dude that looked in the mirror all the time and became like the image Narcissist. Oh, thank you. Okay. Uh, narcissistic. Amen. Sorry. I was thinking necromancy, but that's not right. <laughs> I could not get past necromancy. And the only thing I was going to say next was necromancy because I didn't think it, it was a mental block. But uh, uh, narcissist. I'm telling you, people who sacrifice without genuine love, they got to brag about it. Oh, I'm so charitable, and I, and I just saw the poor, and I gave my all. You're kind of robbing from the poor when you do that. And you're robbing from the unfortunate when you do that, because now you're basically using them as a pawn to lift yourself up or to make yourself look better in your society or your club that requires charity so that you can be proud about it. All right, but the church doesn't do that, amen? The church is looking out for other people. Michael, can you edit that part out? All right, listen, the necromancy, I mean, okay. Uh, the church loves Christ. All right, and, 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 and uh, oh man, let me, let me tell you, I got, I'm, I'm not going to go all day. I might go all day and just tell you you can leave when you want to, and I'll just still be preaching here at 6 o'clock this evening, amen. So you can go home, eat lunch, come back, and I'll still be going. It's been a while. All right, but listen, through the church, why do I love the church? Through the church, I came to love Jesus and know that he loves me. Hallelujah. 
It's easy to forget this sometimes. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Oh, but preacher, I got hurt in church. You know why, don't you? Because there's people down there at the church. <laughs> you get hurt. But I tell you, I've got to stop and think for a little bit. I've got a lot more help than I've got hurt. I've got hurt, but I've got helped. Amen. Matter of fact, I'll tell you something else about the church, and I'm getting ahead of myself, and I'll come back. I love the church, but I love the fact of this about the church. I'm glad that the church lets back you come. And I'm glad that the church lets people like me preach to them. Amen. And I know a lot of people don't like this and get hung up with it, but I think, I think back about uh, years ago, I used to hear some uh, preacher say something like this. He would say, he'd say, if I really knew you, if I, no, he said, if, I, if, if you really knew me, you would not want to come listen to me preach, Ron. If you really knew me, you would not want to come listen to me preach. But then he turned around and said this, but if I knew you, if I really knew you, I wouldn't waste my time. You're looking for a perfect church? Preachers are looking for perfect churches. I'd be scared to death to go to a perfect church. Why? Because I'd ruin it the second I walked in the door. And so would you, Mr. High and Holy, whether you believe it or not. There's not a perfect church out there. Oh, well, I wish the church had this or that. Hey, thanks for volunteering, amen. Bring it, right? Preacher, you ever thought about this? I haven't, but I'm glad you have, amen. At it. Praise the Lord. By the way, that's what the church is supposed to be. Give yourself for the church. Do something. Amen. It don't just have to benefit you. It don't just have to benefit your family. Let it benefit somebody else. It's sad when all we are willing to do in the church is something that's going to be benefit uh, my four and no more. We ought to be willing to do it, whether anybody, whether our family or whether I benefit from it whatsoever. But listen, even if the church never did anything else for me, the church brought me to Jesus. Amen. If I could just testify for just a moment. I remember back years ago, back in 1992, it, can you imagine what it was like in 92? It was still black and white. And, uh, but back in 1992, I walked into a church in Bessemer City, North Carolina, Harvest Baptist Church. Dr. James Ellis had started that church up on top of the hill right outside of Bessemer City, North Carolina. I walked into that church as a 16-year-old boy to go to a funeral. And when I was at that funeral, I, was, I heard about the love of Jesus Christ. I heard an old, old story, amen, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning and his precious blood's atoning. I heard that he died. I heard again, and I heard that he did it for me, for me. And I realized right then and there that I could call on his name, but I didn't call on his name right then and there. But I'm telling you, it wasn't too many days later till a man by the name of Jim Maynard showed up at my friend's house because my friend's dad went to that church. And I'm sure they were working behind the scenes. You know how them church people do. And uh, I'm sure he got in touch with Jerry and said, Hey, is Mike and Jesse around? Yeah, they're around. And so here comes Jim Maynard. And he, he, had, he brought some food over to the family because we were poor uh, and stuff from the food bank. And he brought some stuff over. But that, he wasn't just trying to bring food. He was trying to bring Jesus. And it made me really uncomfortable. 
You know how them church people are, amen? They start trying to talk about Jesus and all that stuff, and I'm like, man, what are you doing here? But if this him, I hide behind the door. I was like, I hope that joker don't realize I'm here. But oh, 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 Jim Maynard, listen, and let me tell you something, church. I'm glad we got this kind of church, but I want to encourage us to be more of this kind of church. Jim Maynard wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a teacher in that church. He was just a part of that church. And he saw some boys that needed Jesus, and he thought, I'll go. How many people sit back and say, well, you know, pastor, really should go visit so-and-so. Well, so should you, mister. Right? And that's what Jim did. Jim came and shared the gospel, amen. And, uh, and, and, and I tried my best to get away from Jim. But it wasn't maybe weeks after that to where the Lord brought me to a place in my life, and I'm so glad he did, Zach, when he showed me that I needed him. And I'm glad that I called on his name. I called on Jesus, and he saved my soul. I haven't been the same since. I called on Jesus. He saved my soul. I went back to that church. And when I was at that church, I met somebody else, a man by the name of Joe Fleming. And Joe Fleming, man, listen, that dude, he was an old hippie. Anybody else? Uh, he was an old hippie. And uh, when th there was a, a Jewish Christian, a Jewish believer that found him, this actually had a ministry where he would go out and try to find hippies. I think they were out in California or somewhere. And he would try to reach them with the gospel. And literally, this guy found Joe Fleming in the ditch about to drown on his own vomit. And when he was found, Joe Fleming literally thought he was from another planet because he was so spaced out on drugs. He was just so messed up. But that man showed him the love of Christ, amen, introduced him to Christ. And so by the time I come along, Joe Fleming's a middle-aged man, and he's weird, and <laughs> he did drugs, and he still kind of was like this, and he was just a trip. But that man knew the Bible. That man loved Jesus. Old Joe did. Joe wasn't a preacher. Joe wasn't a teacher. But you know what Joe did for a couple 16-year-old boys as we begin to ask him Bible questions? He said, what are y'all doing this afternoon? We said, nothing. He said, come on over to the house and we'll have a Bible study. Let's get together next Saturday. Let's have a Bible study. Let's get together Sunday afternoon. Let's have a Bible study. I would not, I do not believe, I don't know where I'd be, but I don't think I'd be here today had it not been for Joe Fleming. Not a preacher, not a teacher, nothing else, just a man in the church that loved Jesus, loved the Word of God, and was willing to give his time. I'm talking about the, that's what the church is. I think, I think of uh, Bar, uh, Barbara and I think of, I can think of so many others, Miss Bright, all these, this church. Man, it was awesome when I went into this church. They didn't have a concert going on. They didn't have many young people there. But they had a bunch of people that loved Jesus. Amen. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to hang around those people that loved Jesus. You know who my, one of my best buddies was? Ed Ledford in that church. Ed Ledford was in his 70s. But he loved God. And he loved souls, amen. And he was willing to go out of the way, hallelujah, to pick me up for church. And that church was willing to tolerate me. Because I'm telling you, I mean, I've told you all about this before. Ed would come out of his way. I mean, Bester City was 20 miles away, close to it. He would come maybe 10 to 15 from where he lived. He would come all the way from there to come get me in Gastonia and take us to church. I say us because it's me and my friends sometimes. But I can't tell you the times, Richard, and I'm embarrassed about it now. I can't tell you the times that I just stuck my hand out the door and not going today. 
No, thank you. I don't really care that you've just gone 30 to 40 minutes out of your way, mister. I just don't really feel like going today. There's a lot of people. Let me tell you, Ed was one of them personalities. Too. There's people in this church that remind me of Ed. Uh, and it sounds kind of like Ed. Uh, I mean, he... He, he was the type of guy that naturally, by his nature, would not put up with that and probably would never come get me again. But Ed was saved. Ed wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a teacher. But he was a man in the church. Amen. He was a part of the church. And you know what he did? He had to put up with me. He tolerated me. He tolerated all the things that came along with me. And by the way, the church is still doing that. Amen. Uh, I don't have the same problems, but I still have problems. Amen. And I'm glad the church is tolerant. Amen. We really are. I thank God for the church. I mean, I got baptized. I joined the church. One of the first places that I went uh, with Melanie on a date, on a double date, was to a little storefront church in Bessemer City, North Carolina, Redeemed Baptist Church. And Brother John Melton was up there preaching the Word of God. And I'm telling you, God got a hold of my heart in that church. And I surrendered my life to the Lord. I had been saved a couple years before, but I had really just said, you know what, Lord, I want to surrender my life fully to you. I'm telling you, same since then. I'm telling you, I heard the gospel at church. I surrendered my life at church. I mean, what I want to say is that the church loves me. The church made a difference, amen. The church helped me to come to know Christ. I've grown because of church. I've grown because of the preaching of the church, the teaching of the church, mean the pastor I mean the teachers but I mean other people that invested their time to disciple me that's the church my marriage is strong because of the church my marriage is strong because of the church I mean listen my kids praise God you know where they grew up you know where they grew up you know you know where my kids were nine months they were going to they were going to church nine months before they were even born Right? My kids grew up in church. My kids grew up hearing the gospel, amen. And I'm telling you, because of the church, uh, our kids didn't have to grow up around some of the things, same things that we grew up in. Our kids grew up in church. Our kids fell asleep in church. Our kids, I left them at church before sleeping and forgot about them. <laughs> they were okay when I remember today or two later, amen. But at least they were at church. They were safe. I mean, listen... I don't know where I'd be today if it were not for the church. Have I been hurt in church? Yes, I've been hurt in church. Am I going to get hurt in church again? Probably. Am I going to unintentionally hurt somebody in the church again? Probably this week. But I'm not, I'm not trying to. Amen. But I'm telling you, listen, I've been helped in the church. I've been helped in the church. I mean, listen, I love the church, hallelujah. I mean, the, the church did not save me. Only Christ can do that. But I'm telling you, he chose the church, amen. I mean, think about the power of the church, the power of the church. Years ago, Gandhi famously criticized Christians by saying, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all of civilization to pieces turn the world upside down, and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as nothing more than a piece of good literature. That's what Gandhi said about the Bible. And he was right. But I think sometimes we have the church. 
We undervalue the church. See, the church has, listen, the church, talk about the church being essential, the church being vital. Listen, if the church isn't essential, if the church isn't vital, it's the church's fault. And let me tell you something else. Uh, when Alexis de Tocqueville, the French philosopher, came to America looking for the greatness of America, and I encourage you to uh, read the writings of Alex, Alexis de Tocqueville, uh, but one of the things he said, he looked for the greatness of America. He looked in the, the, the fields, and he looked in the industry, and he looked in with our great constitution, and he looked at all these other things. And, uh, but he says, but it was not until I went into the churches of America that I realized the greatness of America. He said this, I went into the churches, and the churches and the pulpits were aflame with righteousness. See, we complain about our society, and that's fine. But I believe when the Bible says that judgment must first begin at the house of God, I believe it's the failure of churches through generations. It's been too much that churches have just become the four walls and have quit making a difference outside. Man, listen, we just need to... I don't want to spend too much time complaining. I want to spend more time trying to make a difference in somebody. Trying to find some way some way to impact this community, my neighborhood, your community, something. I mean, I, I don't know why this comes to mind, but I remember reading about a woman that, that just got under a burden to start reaching people for Christ, and she just started a walking group in her neighborhood. And, and, and that walking group, they began to incorporate some Bible study and stuff into it. I mean, she just had a burden to do something. Make a difference, Amen. I mean, listen, uh, the, the, the church has made such a difference, and, 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 and there's so many things I can say that I will not say, but over the last 2,000 years of the church's history, I wish you'd go look at the history. Yes, people love to cite the atrocities of the Roman church, but let me tell you something about the Roman quote-unquote church. It does not meet the criteria that we started this message off with today. Them killing Muslims killing true believers is not condoned in the scripture that is not the church that is not Christians the whole time they're out there uh, committing these atrocities the true church in northern Italy and southern France and these other places is still preaching the gospel amen still showing the love of Christ still trying to reach everyone with the gospel the church has made a difference Oh, my friend, hospitals. I mean, you think about this. Uh, where, where did the idea of hospitals come from, the, the way that and what they became? Public education, care for widows and orphans have all been birthed by the church. Hospitals, even though expressed in some forms before Christianity, were transformed because of Christians. Why? Because it was Christians who expanded treatment to the poor, to the elderly to the widowed. It was Christians who transformed public education. In fact, the first charter for public education in America was called the Old Deluder Satan Act. <clears throat> the basis behind the name? Christians believed that Satan hindered men and women from knowing the scriptures. So it was followers of Jesus who saw public education as necessary for the spread of the gospel. I mean, education has been, been furthered by Christianity more than anything else. I mean, 
the, the, the whole, the birth of the printing press. The church wanted to print Bibles, amen? Right? That was the birth of the printing press. I mean, Christians push education. They want people to know because we know that the truth will make you free. See, the church has not just been a place where you come into the four walls and something happens. That's so. But man, the church ought to be even greater than that. I love the church because of its impact on society. And I'm going to close with this one. I'm going to skip down to page 20 of my notes and give you the last part. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Had to skip a few pages, but this is it. The church is the place for grace. Hallelujah. The church isn't a place for the clean and tidy. We might, there's some of us that might try to get clean and tidy, but it's not the place where you got to be clean and tidy. It isn't a place for those who have it together necessarily. The church is a refuge for people who are struggling with addictions to pornography, drugs, alcohol. See, religion says if you get that stuff straightened out, you can come be a part of our church. <laughs> But the true church says this, you come just like that and Jesus will transform your life. Amen? Anybody? I mean, there's some of us, right? Jesus can transform your life. We love you. That's what the church is. It's a place for those struggling with bitterness. How many of you, right? Man, you've got help in the church from bitterness, greed, anger, acceptance. The church is a place for those struggling with moral righteousness. In this day and age, I've, I've uh, uh, people ask me things like, well, what would you do if there was a homosexual that come into the church? By the way, we've had many homosexuals come into the church, and they all get the same treatment. What is it? Love. Amen. Same treatment you get, buddy. Do you agree with their lifestyle? Not at all. But I love them. Amen. I sure do. I care about them. You know, why, why, preacher? Because God does. And I know the gospel, the power of the gospel has the power to set them free from that which has them bound. Amen? There's hope in the gospel. The power of the gospel. It's an awesome thing. Uh, the, the church uh, is, 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 is not a place to where... The, the church is a place where uh, Jesus is the head and the church clings to him. Folks, we are living in a time of crisis. I mean, COVID not even withstanding. Living in a time of crisis in this world. The change the world needs is through the church. As the church becomes the fellowship of citizens of heaven who manifest what it means to be the household of Christ, and when the church walks according to the power of the Holy Spirit, then the people of God will shine as the light of the world. When people see that light, they will give glory to God, Matthew 5, 16. This will change the world. But Paul says, first of all, let the church be the church. Amen. Remember who we are. Remember who our foundation is, our cornerstone. The head of the building. We are the church. And we've been made for the task at hand. We've got the answers to society's woes in the truth of God's word and in the love of Christ. I said it last week on the show, man. On the show. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! I've been in front of the camera too long, amen. 
I said last week in the message, in the message, I said that uh, how, how that if we're not careful, we can we can we can get kind of uh, distracted as Christians in this time. Because there is debate, there is division, and what we can be begin to do is to try to win an argument with somebody. I'm going to show them. You know, you can learn debating skills. Some of you was born with them. I'm looking at my son. Um, you can learn debating and beat somebody in an argument and walk away saying, ha, showed them. But that's not our goal, amen. We're not out to win arguments. We're out to win heart. And that's why we, we can have civil, uh, you know, disagreement. Civil disobedience, that's another conversation as well that we can have. But, but we can have a, a civil discord with somebody. I don't have to hate somebody just because we disagree. Amen? I really don't. I can still show the love of Christ. I can still try to not figure out a way to beat them up and win, but I can try to find a way to get to their heart so that I can see them win. That's my goal. Amen? If you don't know Christ, listen, being a part of the church, hey, it's still great for being on earth, but I'm telling you, if you don't know Christ, it's not going to do you much good on this earth, and it's certainly not going to do you any good in eternity. You, you could even be a member of this church. Being a member of this church does not mean you're going to heaven. Only knowing Christ as your Savior means you're going to heaven. So if you do not know Christ today, I want to invite you, like I did so many years ago, to call on Him from my heart so that you can really become a part and know what it means. I love when the, when, when the Bible addresses the church. It always says this, peace, hope, joy. Amen? Those are the things that always accompany what it means as a church is addressed because it means you're in Christ. And if you're not in Christ today, please humble yourself. Call on His name today. He will transform your life. Amen. Let's all stand. And Sonia's going to come and we'll be dismissed. Thank you for being part of the show today.